So we've been speaking about the end times here uh, for the number of past number of weeks, and we're speaking of, of the end times, preparing us to talk about the parables of Jesus that he talks about in Matthew 24 and 25, and, and those deal with the end times. And so before we can really get to the parable, we need to talk about, we need to set the, set the stage for what the end times are going to be like. And uh, so today we're going to be talking about the judgments of the tribulation. The judgments of the tribulation. The Bible tells us some things about this that are really beyond our ability to comprehend. We cannot even begin to comprehend what's going to happen. But that doesn't mean we shouldn't study it. In fact, we should spend as much time as we can studying to prepare ourselves so that we can avoid it. <laughs> the little sign I have, the little, little phrase I have in the sign out in front of the church, it says, God gives today to prepare for tomorrow. God gives us today so that we can prepare for tomorrow. And isn't that a wise thing to do? That if we know what's coming tomorrow, why would we not prepare for it? it? We prepare for everything else in life. We prepare for our retirement. We prepare for vacations. We prepare for many other things in life. But many don't prepare for eternal life. So we have today to prepare. The book of Revelation is something that's probably not spoken about enough. I know we haven't spoken about it enough here. I'm probably many other churches haven't as well. But it's sometimes viewed as a book of mystery because it's maybe hard to understand. Yet, the title itself, Revelation, brings means that something is going to be brought out of hiding. It's a revelation. It's a revelation of Jesus, really. And so... Revelations chapter 1 it gives us a, an encouragement because right at the very beginning of the book, it says in Revelation chapter 1, verses 1 and through 3, it says this. This is a revelation from Jesus Christ, which God gave him to show his servants the events that must soon take place. He sent an angel to present this revelation to a servant, John, who faithfully reported everything he saw. This is his report of the word of God and the testimony of Jesus Christ. In verse 3, this is important. God blesses the one who reads the words of this prophecy to the church. And he blesses all who listen to its message and obey what it says, for the time is near. Are you ready to be blessed? Are you ready to receive the blessings of the word? That's what we're going to get today. When we read and study Revelation, God promises. He doesn't promise that for any other book but the book of Revelation. So beginning in chapter 6, we're going to now see that the events recorded as the judgments, they're given in order of things that will happen in the last days. There are three sets of judgments. There is a series of judgments called, first one is the seven seals. Then there's going to be the seven trumpets. And then there's going to be the seven bowls of, of, or vials of God's wrath. And we're going to go through all 21 of these today. That's why I say this is going to be a long message. And the reason I'm doing this is not to make us Bible scholars, but I want us to get a picture. I want us to understand the severity of God's judgment. And the only way we can really get it is to sit and read it. Now, you can go home and read this on your own, and I would encourage you to do that. But we're going to go through it today, and we're going to go through it as quickly as we can, and we're just going to cover it all, and I want you to grasp the intensity of God. 
because he loves us so much. Remember, everything, God's ultimate purpose and everything that he plans is for our redemption. God is not living to punish. God is living to redeem. And he would have all men, as we said earlier, all men come to a repentance of Jesus Christ so we could have relationship with him. And so he goes to great lengths to make this happen. And I have to imagine, if I can imagine how God feels, I can imagine how much sadness it gives to him when men reject him, when men choose to walk away from the word of God. I have to imagine that it breaks his heart because of all that he's given in his son to redeem mankind and for us to willingly walk away from him and to thumb our nose at him and to reject and walk away. I just imagine it must give him great sadness. So today I want to set up the scene here that's happening in heaven. As we describe these three sets of seven judgments that are coming, we're going to read a lot of scripture. So if you have your Bible, I would encourage you to open your Bibles because we're going to read a lot of scripture. They're going to be on the, on the screen, but I encourage you to open your Bible to chapter 5. And we're going to read this chapter in its entirety because this is going to show the worthiness of God and why we should worship him, not just as God, but as a father, as a loving father that wants to have a relationship with us, that he's worthy of all of our praise and all of our glory. He's worthy of all of our attention because he's a righteous judge. And he's given us so many opportunities to repent and receive him that we're going to find at the end of the day here that God is ultimately righteous and everything that he does is not to punish but to redeem. So let's begin. Revelation chapter 5, verse 1. John says, Then I saw a scroll in the right hand of the one who was sitting on the throne. There was writing on the inside and the outside of the scroll, and it was sealed with seven seals. And I saw a strong angel who shouted with a loud voice, Who is worthy to break the seals on this scroll and open it? But no one in heaven or on earth or under the earth was able to open the scroll and read it. Then I, John, began to weep bitterly because no one was found worthy to open the scroll and read it. But one of the 24 elders said to me, Stop weeping. Look, the lion of the tribe of Judah, the heir to David's throne, has won the victory he is worthy to open the scroll and its seven seals. Then I saw a lamb that looked as if it had been slaughtered, but is now standing between the throne and the four living beings and among the 24 elders. He had seven horns and seven eyes, which represent the sevenfold spirit of God and is sent, that is sent out to, into every part of the earth. He stepped forward and took the scroll from the right hand of the one sitting on the throne. And when he took the scroll, the four living beings and the 24 elders fell down before the lamb. Each one had a harp, and they had gold bowls filled with incense, which are the prayers of God's people. And they sang a new song with these words, You are worthy to take the scroll and break its seals and open it. For you were slaughtered, and your blood has ransomed people for God from every tribe and language and people and nation. And you have caused them to recompense to become a kingdom of priests for our God, and they will reign on the earth. Then I looked again, and I heard the voices of thousands and millions of angels around the throne and of the living beings and the elders. And they, saw, they sang in a mighty chorus, Worthy is the Lamb who was slaughtered, to receive power and riches and wisdom and strength and honor and glory and blessing. And then I heard every creature in heaven 
and on earth and under the earth and in the sea, they sang, Blessing and honor and glory and power belong to the one sitting on the throne and to the Lamb forever and ever. And the four living beings said, Amen. And the 24 elders fell down and worshiped the Lamb. Let's pray. Father, help us, Lord, as we study the revelation of Jesus Christ today. Help us to see, God, what you would have us to see in this. In this. Lots, of, lots of words are going to be spoken today, but I pray that the word of God comes strongly to us, that it comes into our hearts as you would have it to come into our hearts, that we would understand and see what you have for us today, and we would be looking forward to the day when we see you face to face. We ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. In chapter 6, we're going to now get into the sealed judgments that this seven-sealed scroll was representing here. And I find it very interesting as we begin this that we are already beginning to see, we're getting to preview already what's in the world today what's going to be happening in the early part of the tribulation. We're already starting to see the things coming to pass. And so as this, each seal is given, each seal is, is read by Jesus, a new judgment is going to be unleashed on the earth. And we're already starting to see the precursors of them. So let's start. The first seal. Revelation chapter 6, verses 1 through 2. John says, As I watched, the, the Lamb broke the first of the seven seals on the scroll. Then I heard one of the four living beings say with a voice like thunder, Come! I looked up, and I saw a white horse standing there. Its rider carried a bow, and a crown was placed on, its he- on his head. He rode out to win many battles and gain the victory. So the first seal here introduces the Antichrist. From this biblical description, we can see a few details. That first of all, the Antichrist is riding a white horse, which speaks of peace. And this is at the beginning of the tribulation. The Antichrist will come under the pretense of bringing peace to the world. He's given a crown, which indicates that the Antichrist will exercise great authority. And, a, and he holds a bow, however, with no arrows which shows that his true intention and that he advances or his plan is to conquer the earth. That's what the first seal judgment is. The second seal, Revelation chapter 6, verses 6 through 4. When the lamb broke the second seal, I heard the second living being say, Come. Then another horse appeared, a red one. Its rider was given a mighty sword and the authority to take peace from the earth. And there was war and slaughter everywhere. So when the Lamb opens this second seal, great warfare breaks out on the earth. And this red rider is symbolized as a rider of uh, great fury and wrath. You know, I think we can already see the stage being set. We look around the world today, there are already rumblings of World War III. We're seeing it with what's happening in Russia and Ukraine and Israel and Iran with a nuclear bomb that Iran is trying to make and the the threats and the promises of Israel actually to 
preemptively strike Iran to keep them from getting that bomb because we know, they know, that as soon as Iran gets it, they're going to use it on Israel because they want to destroy Israel. So we see the rumblings already. It's a tinderbox. The world is a tinderbox right now, ready to explode. There's going to be mass death beginning early in the tribulation. And hopefully through this, people will see who Jesus is and they will come to a repentance of him in the tribulation. The church, as we believe, will already have been taken out of, the, out of the world by now. The church will leave in the rapture of the church prior to the tribulation season. But there will be many that will come to Christ in the tribulation, and they will be called tribulation saints. We talked about that last week. We talked about the purpose of the tribulation last week, and you can go back and listen online if you'd like to hear that. So now the third seal. Revelations chapter 6, verses 5 through 6. The third seal is, When the Lamb broke the third seal, I heard the third living being say, Come. I looked up and I saw a black horse, and its rider was holding a pair of scales in his hand. And I heard a voice from among the four living beings saying, A loaf of wheat, bread, or three loaves of barley will cost a day's pay. And I don't wait, and don't waste the oil, the olive oil, and the wine. So the breaking of the third of the seven seals causes great famine to come upon on the world. And this rider that John sees is riding a black horse and he's holding a pair of scales in his hand. And then John hears the declaration that people will have to work for all day just to have enough to buy a day's wage or a, a little food for the day. What are we seeing right now? We're seeing inflation, highest it's been in years and years. We see the threat of famine around the world right now. We're hearing about a coming food shortage that if things don't change significantly that there probably will be a worldwide famine in the next year. That's what I'm seeing in the news and you are too if you're paying attention. The fourth seal, Revelation 6, chapter, verses 7 through 8. When the Lamb broke the fourth seal, I heard the fourth living being say, Come. I looked up and I saw a horse whose color was pale green. Its rider was named Death. And his companion was the grave. These two were given authority over one-fourth of the earth to kill with the sword and famine and disease and wild animals. All right, so now the fourth seal is opened, and John sees a pale horse. Its rider is named Death, and Hades, or Hell, or the grave, was following close behind the result of this fourth seal is that one-fourth of the earth's population are killed, one-fourth, by sword, famine, plague, and the wild beasts of the earth. Now think about this. As the result of the economic collapse and the great food shortage that's, coming in the, that's already come on the world and the third seal, death is sure to follow. The earth's population today is just under 8 billion people. Just under 8 billion people live in the world today. The earth's population in, in, in the third and fourth seal will reduce by a quarter. That's two billion people. Two billion people will die in a relatively short time. Not over five years, not over 10 years, not over 20 years, but within, within months. We don't know how long these judgments take and last, but two billion people will die. Can you imagine that many people dying from war, starvation, disease. And I find it interesting that he says wild beast 
Because if there really truly is a, a worldwide famine, then the animals are going to be starving as well. And that might bring the animals to prey on humans as a food source. That's how evil it's going to become. The fifth seal, Revelations chapter 6, verses 9 through 11. When the lamb broke the fifth seal, I saw under the altar the souls of all who had been martyred for the word of God and for being faithful in their testimony. They shouted to the Lord and said, O sovereign Lord, holy and true, how long before you judge the people who belong to this world and avenge our blood for what they have done to us? Then a white robe was given to each of them, and they were told to rest a little longer until the full number of their brothers and sisters, their fellow servants of Jesus, who were, who were to be martyred, had joined them. The scroll's fifth seal reveals those who are martyred for faith in Christ during the tribulation. And these souls are dwelling under the altar in heaven. And God hears their cries for justice. And he gives each of them a white robe. In heaven, we're going to remember things that happened on earth. Otherwise, how would these martyrs know that they were martyred? They're crying out to be avenged. They're crying out for God to punish those that took their lives without good cause. And these martyrs are told to wait until the full number of their fellow servants and their brothers and sisters were yet to be killed in the tribulation that happened. But God does promise to avenge them, but the time just wasn't right. The sixth seal, Revelation chapter 6, verses 12 through 17. I watched as the lamb broke the sixth seal, and there was a great earthquake. The sun became as dark as black cloth, and the moon became red as blood. Then the stars of the sky fell to the earth like green figs, falling from a tree shaken by a strong wind. Verse 14, the sky was rolled up like a scroll and all of the mountains and islands were moved from their places. Then everyone, the kings of the earth, the rulers, the generals, the wealthy, the powerful, and every slave and every free person all hid themselves in the caves and among the rocks of the mountains. And they cried to the mountains and the rocks, fall on us, hide us from the face of the one who sits on the throne and from the wrath of the Lamb. For the great day of their wrath has come, and who is able to survive? You see, when the Lamb of God opens a sixth seal, devastation really breaks forth. A great earthquake occurs, causing massive upheaval. Mountains and islands are, are moved and, and destroyed. Great astronomical phenomena happen. The sky turns, the, the sun turns black, and the moon turns blood red, and the heavens recede like a scroll. Survivors of the sixth seal, regardless of their social position, take refuge in the rocks and the crags and the mountains, and they cry out, fall on us, hide us from the face of God in the great day of the wrath that's coming. Some readers of this say that this is what happens after a nuclear war blast, that as that, as that mushroom cloud rises, it's like the scroll rolling away, like the sky rolling away is a scroll. This might be an indicator of a great nuclear blast. We don't know for sure, but great warfare is coming. After the opening of the sixth of the seventh seal, there's an interlude in the book of Revelation. At this point, the, 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 we're going to stop now. Now we're going to talk about, John describes 144,000 Jewish missionaries who will be protected in the tribulation. 
This is in Revelation chapter 7, the first four, verse, first four verses. It says, Then I saw four angels standing at the four corners of the earth, holding back the four winds, so they did not blow on the earth or the sea or even on any tree. And I saw another angel coming up from the east, carrying the seal of the living God. And he shouted to those four angels who had been, who had been given power to harm land and sea. He says in verse 3, Wait! Don't harm the land or the sea or the trees until we have placed the seal of God on the foreheads of his servants. And I heard how many were marked with the seal of God. 144,000 were sealed from all the tribes of Israel. And then you can read further in that chapter where it identifies 12,000 from each of the 12 tribes, and those tribes are named. These 144,000 Jewish missionaries will bring about a great revival in this time. Countless numbers of people will be saved. And as a result, many of them will die. Most of them will die, be beheaded, martyred. And they are, their numbers are uncountable. Those are the ones that we just read about that are under the altar of heaven that are given a white robe. Those are saints that were martyred in the tribulation. We talked about them last week. To see the seventh seal, now we need to skip to chapter 8. So if, if in your Bible, skip over to chapter 8. The seventh seal is given in Revelation chapter 8, beginning at verse 1. When the Lamb broke the seventh seal on the scroll, there was silence throughout heaven for about half an hour. I saw seven angels who stand before God, and they were given seven trumpets. Now, this, I find this very interesting. When the Lamb opens the seventh seal, there was silence in heaven. Normally, we see great rejoicing in heaven. Normally we see a lot of noise, a lot of activity, but there, for a half an hour there was silence in heaven. The judgments that lead up to the, to the close of the tribulation are now visible in the seventh scroll, the seventh seal. And they're so severe that a solemn silence falls upon all of heaven. The seventh seal obviously introduces the next set of judgments. For John immediately sees seven angels who are handed seven trumpets ready to sound them. But why is there silence in heaven? Let's talk about that just for a minute. The Bible doesn't explain this. However, I think there are a few possible scenarios that I find interesting. Number one, silence is a sign of deep respect and awe in the presence of the judge of the earth. You know, just as earthly courtrooms demand silence when the judge presides, heaven will demand silence when the judge is identified. Zephaniah chapter 1, verse 7, it says, Stand in silence in the presence of the sovereign Lord, for the awesome day of the Lord's judgment is near. Second reason, I believe, is the, the, the half-hour silence in heaven is the result of of the somber reflection on what has just been revealed. Up to this point in time, the angels haven't seen it. Only God is omniscient. Only God is all-knowing. When Jesus Christ breaks the seventh seal, the scroll of God's judgment is fully revealed for the first time. Now all heaven can see God's plan to judge the wickedness of the earth and destroy the kingdom of the beast. A third reason, the silence of heaven is due to the severity of the actions that God is about to take place. That these judgments are more terrible 
than anything in the world has ever seen. Mark tells us this, Mark chapter 13, 19 through 20, it says, for there will be greater anguish in those days than at any time since God created the world. And it will never be so great again. In fact, unless the Lord shortens that time of calamity, not a single person will survive. But for the sake of his chosen ones, he has shortened those days. The final catastrophes that are going to befall earth required silence and a stillness as a time of respect. Once the seven sealed judgments are finished, the the seven trumpets now are ready to blow. So let's skip down to verse 6 of chapter 8. Now we're getting into the trumpet judgments, seven trumpet judgments. The first trumpet, Revelation chapter 8, beginning at verse 6. Then the seven angels with the seven trumpets prepared to blow their mighty blasts. The first angel blew his trumpet, and hail and fire mixed with blood were thrown down on the earth. One-third of the earth was set on fire. One-third of the trees were burned, and all the green grass was burned. When the first angel sounds his trumpet, the world now experiences great agony. Not just people, but the world, the creation. One-third of the world's trees are burned. And all the grass is consumed. So it's, now it's getting uglier. Each trumpet judgment's going to get a little worse. The second trumpet, second trumpet, Revelations 8, 8 and 9, says this. When the second angel blew his trumpet and a great mountain of fire was thrown into the sea, one-third of the water in the sea became blood. One-third of all things living in the sea died. And one-third of all the ships on the sea were destroyed. The result of this is something like a huge mountain that's thrown into the sea. A third of sea life dies. A third of the ships sink. A third of the ocean becomes unlivable, turns into blood. This brings the third trumpet, Revelation 8, 10 through 11. Then the third angel blew his trumpet, and a great star fell from the sky, burning like a torch. It fell on one-third of the rivers and on the springs of water, The name of the star was bitterness. It made one-third of the water bitter, and many people died from drinking the bitter water. The third trumpet judgment is very much like the second judgment, the second trumpet, except this time it's affecting the freshwater supply. The second trumpet was salt water, was the oceans. Now we're affecting our supply, our water, our drinking water. It says that a great star... A blazing like a torch falls from the sky and poisons a third of the water supply. This star is, another, another translation is named wormwood. And, that, and, and in a botany term, a wormwood is a shrub-like plant that's noted for its extreme bitterness and its poisonous properties. So the third trumpet is going to poison a third of our water supply around the world. The fourth trumpet, Revelation chapter 8, verse 12 Then the fourth trumpet blew his trumpet, and one-third of the sun was struck, and one-third of the moon, and one-third of the stars, and they became dark, and one-third of the day was dark, and also one-third of the night. Now the trumpet judgments are affecting the atmosphere, the the heavens. A third of the sun was struck, and the moon, and the stars, and a a third of the day was out light, and also a third of the night. No moon. And then it says, Then I looked and I heard a single eagle crying loudly as it flew through the air. Woe, woe, woe. 
to all who belong to this world because of what will happen in the last three angels when the last three angels blow their trumpets. So following the fourth trumpet judgment, John notes that there's a special warning that's coming in the last three of the trumpet, trumpet judgments. There's an, and there's an eagle that flies through the air, and this eagle cries out with a loud voice saying, Woe, woe, woe to the inhabitants of the earth because of the trumpet blast about to be sounded. For this reason, the fifth, sixth, and seventh trumpets are referred to as the three great woes. The fifth trumpet, or the, or the first woe, turn into Revelation chapter 9 now. We're going to skip over to the next chapter. Chapter 9, the first 12 verses describe the fifth trumpet. Beginning at verse 1, it says, Then the fifth angel blew his trumpet, and I saw a star that had fallen to earth from the sky, and he was given the key to the shaft of the bottomless pit. When he opened it, smoke poured out as though from a huge furnace, and the sunlight and the air turned dark from the smoke. Verse 3, Then locusts came from the smoke and descended on the earth, and they were given power to sting like scorpions. They were told not to harm the grass or plants or trees, but only the people who did not have the seal of God on their foreheads. They were told not to kill them, but to torture them for five months with pain like the pain of a scorpion sting. In those days, people will seek death, but will not find it. They will long to die, but death will flee from them. The locusts looked like horses prepared for battle. They had what looked like gold crowns on their heads, and their faces looked like human faces. They had hair like a woman's hair, and teeth like the teeth of a lion. They wore armor made of iron, and their wings roared like an army of chariots rushing into battle. Verse 10. They had tails that stung like scorpions, scorpions, and for five months they had the power to torment people. Their king is the angel from the bottomless pit. His, na- his name in Hebrew is Abaddon, and in Greek, Apollon, the destroyer. The first terror is past, but look, two more terrors are coming. So this fifth trumpet, the first woe, results in a terrifying plague of demonic locusts that attack people. And he tortured them for five months. This plague begins with the star falling from heaven. The star is most likely a fallen angel, and as he's given, he's given the keys to the shaft of the abyss. He opens the abyss, releasing a horde of locusts with a power like that of scorpions. And these locusts do not touch the plant life of earth. Rather, they head straight for those people who did not have the seal of God on their foreheads. 144,000 Jewish witnesses, for example. For five months, these locusts torment people. And their agony is so great that they wish to die, but they can't. The locusts are not allowed to kill anyone, only to torture them. And the locusts themselves are described in unusual terms. They look like horses prepared for battle. They wear something like crowns of gold on their heads and their faces are almost human. They have hair like women's hair and teeth like lion's teeth. And they have something like iron breastplates and their wings sound like the thundering of many horses and chariots rushing into battle. And they have scorpion stingers on their tail. And this description has, has prompted many different interpretations. Maybe, maybe this is a vision that John's seeing of, of helicopters or barbarian warriors, 
or a satanically empowered army or, or some creature from the pit of hell. We, we don't know for sure. We won't know until it happens. And this brings us to the sixth trumpet, the second woe. Revelation chapter 19, beginning verse at 13. Then the sixth angel blew his trumpet, and I heard a voice speaking from the four horns of the gold altar that stands in the presence of God. And the voice said to the sixth angel who held the trumpet, Release the four angels who are bound at the great Euphrates River. Then the four angels who had been prepared for this hour and day and month and year were turned loose to kill one-third of all the people on earth. I heard the size of the army, which was 200 million mounted troops. And in my vision, I saw the horses and the riders sitting on them. The riders wore armor that was fiery red and dark blue and yellow. The horses had heads like lions and fire and smoke and burning sulfur billowed from their mouths. One third of all the people on earth were killed by these three plagues, by the fire and smoke and burning sulfur that came from the mouths of the horses. Their power was in their mouths and in their tails, for their tails had heads like snakes with the power to injure people. But the people who did not die in these plagues still refused to repent of their evil deeds and turn to God. They continued to worship demons and idols made of gold, silver, bronze, stone, and wood, idols that can neither see nor hear nor walk. And they did not repent of their murders or their witchcraft or their sexual immorality or their thefts. So the sixth trumpet now, the second woe, involves the onslaught of another demonic horde that is released from the earth. Once the sixth trumpet sounds, a voice from the altar of God calls for the release of these four angels who are bound at the great river Euphrates. And these four angels have been kept in captivity for just this purpose, to wreak destruction and wrath and destruction on, on the earth during the tribulation. These four wicked angels led a supernatural calvary, if you will, of thousands upon thousands, 200 million to kill a third of humanity. Now let's stop and think about this for a minute. We just saw that a fourth of the population was killed. That was 2 billion people. So now it takes the population out of about 6 billion people or so. Now we're seeing another third killed. That's another 2 billion people are being killed now in this time of the, in this time of the tri uh, tribulation. But despite all of this, the key thing here, if you remember, God's intention is redemption. Through all of this, people have the opportunity to repent. But because of the hardness of their heart, the people that did not die in these plagues still refused to repent of their evil deeds. That's the hardness of a heart filled with deception. Now, following the sixth trumpet, there's an interlude. John sees an angel descend from heaven with a little scroll in his hand. A promise is given that the seventh seal is about to sound and the trumpet that John is to hear is told that he must prophesy some more. I, I can only imagine here that John is seeing all these things that we're reading and he's got to be a little distraught. <laughs> he's got to be a little overwhelmed with what is happening or what's going to be happen. And yet he's told now this 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 angel gives him a scroll to eat and when he eats it it tastes like honey in his mouth but when he swallows it it makes his stomach turn sour 
So basically, John is saying, or the angel is saying, John, you have to prophesy some more. <laughs> There's more coming. Uh, I could give an example, but I don't want to. It wouldn't be very appropriate. But it's hard for us to, if it's hard for us to hear this today, it's nothing in comparison to what John the Revelator was going through as he was seeing the visions and writing them down. And that brings us to the seventh trumpet. The seventh trumpet begins at Revelation chapter 11. Verse 15. Then the seventh angel blew his trumpet, and there were loud voices shouting in heaven, The world has now become the kingdom of our Lord and of his Christ, and, his, and he will reign forever and ever. The 24 elders sitting on their thrones before God fell with their faces to the ground and worshipped him. And they said, We give thanks to you, Lord God, the Almighty, the one who is and who always was. For now, and for now you have assumed your great power and have begun to reign. Verse 18, The nations were filled with wrath, but now the time of your wrath has come. It is time to judge the dead and reward your servants, the prophets, as well as your holy people and all who fear your name from the least to the greatest. It is time to destroy all who have caused destruction on the earth. Then in heaven, the temple of God was opened and the ark of his covenant could be seen inside the temple. Lightning flashed, thunder crashed and roared and there was an earthquake and a terrible hailstorm. So the seventh trumpet now, the third woe sounds and immediately there are loud voices in heaven. God is getting ready to wrap it all up. At the sound of the seventh trumpet, the temple of God is opened in heaven, and within the temple was seen the Ark of the Covenant. And there came flashes of lightning, thunder, peals of thunder, and an earthquake, and a severe hailstorm. Thus the end of the seven trumpets' judgments. All is now set for the seven angels with the seven bowls of, God, of God's wrath to be poured out. These angels stand inside and now open the temple, ready to step forward and bring the, the final judgments on earth. So finally, we are coming to the last of the three sets of judgments. And these are called the bowl or the vile judgments. Revelation 16 verses one, starts at verse 1. It says, Then I heard a mighty voice from the temple say to the seven angels, Go your ways and pour out on the earth the seven bowls containing God's wrath. So what are these bowls? The first bowl, Revelation 16, verse 2. So the first angel left the temple and poured out his bowl on the earth. And horrible, malignant sores broke out on everyone who had the mark of the beast and who had worshipped his statue. This first angel pours out this great judgment on those that have the mark of the beast. Now this is the first time that we're seeing it in the judgments. There is those that are marked with God's seal on their forehead, which protects them, the, the 144,000 witnesses and their people that are not martyred yet, Christ, um, that follow Christ. But there are also those now that have committed the unforgivable and they have taken the mark of the beast. And so this plague is targeted at those who have committed themselves to the Antichrist. The tribulation saints will not be affected by these sores. And the second bowl now is poured out. The second bowl, Revelation chapter 16, verse 3. Then the second angel poured out his bowl on the sea, and it became like the blood of a corpse, and everything in the sea died. The second bowl is poured out on the sea, and this turns the whole oceans in the blood. The blood of like a dead person. And everything 
in the sea dies. A third of the sea life already perished with the sounding of the second trumpet, but now the rest of the life in the sea is gone. Basically, the oceans are dead. Nothing lives in the oceans. The third bowl, Revelation 16, verses 4 through 7. The third angel poured out his bowl on the rivers and springs, and they became blood. And I heard the angel who had authority over all water saying, You are just, holy, a, a holy one who is and always was, because you have sent these judgments. Verse 6, Since they shed the blood of your holy people and your prophets, you have given them blood to drink. It is their just reward. And I heard a voice from the altar saying, Oh, yes, Lord, God, the Almighty One, your judgments are true and just. When the third bowl judgment pours out, all the rivers and the fresh water now turn to blood. Before a third was, now completed it, now all fresh water is gone. It's all turned to blood. And you know what? When I see what's being said here, it's almost like the angels <laughs> needed to remind themselves that God's wrath is justified here. It's getting so severe on the earth that I think they have to remind themselves that all the people that God is pouring out his wrath on had opportunities to repent and they didn't. Therefore, God's wrath, as terrible as it is, is just. I think they need a little reminder here because it was getting so horrific. And this brings the fourth bowl, Revelation chapter 18, beginning at verse 8. Then the fourth angel poured out his bowl on the sun, causing it to scorch everyone with its fire. Every woman was burned by this blast of heat, and they cursed the name of God who had control over all these plagues. They did not repent of their sins and turned to God and give him glory. So the fourth angel now pours out his bowl on the sun, and the sun was allowed to scorch people. How many people have been sunburned here, right? You know what that feels like. Now this is beyond sunburn. This is a scorch. This is a burning. This is such an intense heat that it's a severe, uh, it's so severe that you can't even be outside. And who knows what it does to the buildings. But rather than repent of their sin, the wicked inhabitants of the earth still continue to curse God. God who had control over these plagues, God who could have reversed them if they would have repented or maybe given them a seal. I don't know, but God is making the point here that no matter how bad it gets, the hardness of the man's heart is so severe that they still refuse to see God who he is. And this brings the fifth bowl. Revelation 16, verses 10 through 11. Then the fifth angel poured out his bowl on the throne of the beast, and his kingdom was plunged into the darkness. His subjects ground their teeth in anguish, and they cursed the God of heaven for their pains and sores, but they did not repent of their evil deeds and turn to God. So the fifth bowl now, it has, now it's attacking Satan, it's attacking the Antichrist, because it says that the angel poured out his bowl on the throne of the beast, so now his kingdom is being attacked. And his kingdom is now being plunged into great darkness. Pain and suffering of the, of the wicked, it intensifies so greatly that the people gnaw their tongues in agony. Still, the followers of the Antichrist refuse to repent of all they've done. So are we getting the picture here of the intensity of what's going to happen? The sixth bowl, Revelation chapter 16, beginning at verse 12. Then the sixth angel poured out his bowl on the great Euphrates River, 
And it dried up so that the kings from the east could march their armies toward the west without hindrance. And I saw three evil spirits that looked like frogs leap from the mouths of the dragon, the beast, and the false prophet. They were demonic spirits who worked miracles and go out to the rulers of the world to gather them for battle against the Lord on that great judgment day of God the Almighty. God the Almighty. Look, verse 15, look, I will come as unexpectedly as a thief. Blessed are all who are watching, watching for me who keep their clothing so ready they will not have to walk around naked and ashamed. And the demonic spirits gathered all the rulers and their armies to a place with the, with the Hebrew name Armageddon. The sixth angel pours out his bowl on the river Euphrates. And this river is dried up in preparation for the kings of the east to make their way to the west as they're coming into the battle of Armageddon, preparing for that. John saw, then sees three unclean spirits that look like frogs coming from the mouths of Satan, the Antichrist, and the false prophet. And these demons perform miracles and they deceive the kings of the earth and they bring them to gather them into a, for a final battle. And under this demonic influence, the kings gather to the place that is called Armageddon. So we saw already that there was a two million man army earlier that was demonic, that was demons. This now is preparing a 200 million army of humans. This is a human army that's coming now getting ready for the battle of Armageddon. And these people are so deceived that, these, that the Antichrist and, and the, the, the spirit of deception is deceiving these kings to say, come on, we're going to have this great battle and we're going to fight against God and we're going to finally defeat God. And this brings the seventh and the final bowl. Revelation chapter 16, beginning at verse 17. Then the seventh angel poured out his bowl into the air and a mighty shout came from the throne in the temple saying, it is finished. Now, I kind of like that. Where else have you heard that? What did Jesus say on the cross? It is finished. This reminds me of redemption. Even though we're talking about great judgment here, we're talking about great calamity on earth, great judgment. For the fact that he says it is finished, I can't help but be reminded of the fact that Jesus cried out that redemption is finished. The way to the Father is finished. I love that. I love that because that's my hope. And I believe that's your hope. The only way we're going to avoid being a part of this or seeing this or being killed in the process of this is if we say it is finished. Redemption is finished for me and for you and I can receive Christ and I can have that redemption in my spirit and I can cry out it is finished. And I'm complete in Jesus Christ. Let's continue. Verse 18. Then the thunder crashed and rolled and lightning flashed and a great earthquake struck. The worst since people were placed on the earth. Greatest earthquake ever. Verse 19. The great city of Babylon split into three sections and the cities of many nations fell into heaps of rubble. So God remembered all of Babylon's sins and he made her drink the cup that was filled with the wine of his fierce wrath and every island disappeared and all the mountains were leveled. There was a terrible hailstorm. The hailstorms weighing stones weighing as much as 75 pounds fell from the sky under the people below. They cursed God because of the terrible plague of the hailstorm. 
The seventh bowl is emptied into the atmosphere and it cries out, it's done, it's over. The seventh bowl results in flashes of lightning and earthquakes so severe that no earthquake like it has ever happened before in the history of mankind. Jerusalem is split into three parts. The cities of the world collapse. Islands are flooded and mountains disappear. Great hailstones, each weighing 75 to 100 pounds, fell on people. And even then, people cursed God on the account of the plague because the plague was so terrible. Finally, it's over. Finally, God's wrath is complete. Finally, God's wrath is complete on the world. It's, he, he's judged the world, and, and I hope that we've been able to see and appreciate his intensity of the way that he cannot stand in the presence of sin. And my point of all this is that, you know, we tend to play with sin, and God hates it. Let's just look at that for a minute. Let's just stop a minute here. We play with the things of this world that we don't think they're that bad. But God is going to punish a sinful world. Not because God loves to punish, but because he can't stand in the presence of sin. He can't bring that into relationship with himself. So we have an opportunity to receive that holiness of God But yet, so why do so many of us and why does the world play with what God hates? Finally, God's wrath is complete, but more importantly, his redemption is complete. His redemption is complete. Jackie, would you come, please? We went through a lot of material today, and I know much of it probably has bounced off But still, I hope that you can get the atmosphere of what is going to happen. And so how to end this message, I'm not sure. Other than to be so thankful that God's mercy and grace is complete. That he leaves nothing short. I don't have to worry about this. I don't have to fear this. This is not a message of condemnation. This is not a message of God not loving. In fact, this proves God's love even more. Because he's saying, I'm giving you a way out. See, here's the thing. We just have to recognize this. God is the creator, and I am the creation. God has every right to fulfill his rules. God has made some rules. They're in the Bible. He's given us his word. It's very clear. You have to read it. You have to study it. So if God has done that, if God has created me and he's given me the rules to live by, doesn't that give him the right to be the judge? Doesn't that give him the right and the authority to say, I've given you everything to live by and I haven't held one thing back from you? So I cannot look at God and say, God, you're unjust. No man can look at God and say, God, why did you send me to hell? Because God didn't send him to hell. It was by his own choice that he walked away from the redemption of God. 
Therefore, when we read these judgments, I hope that we read these and see when we see God's love and his redemption and not so much his judgment. Because for those that receive the mercy of Christ, we're promised great rewards. Heaven is going to be a great place for those that receive Christ and live accordingly. It's after these things are completed, Israel will finally receive Christ as the Messiah. We talked about that last week. That's one of the main purposes of the revelation, the tribulation, is for Israel to come to an understanding of who Christ really is. And when they receive him as a nation, then God will end all things. That's the second coming of Christ. That's when Christ comes and he comes in his person. He comes as their warrior angel where it's on his thigh, king of kings and lord of lords. And we then as the church will come back as the armies of heaven with him. And we will then, it, that will then, will be the, the final battle where Jesus will speak the word and out of his mouth comes a sword that will destroy that 200 man army, 200 million man army. And all the evil will die. But this, this then establishes the the thousand-year millennial reign, where after this time, then, then the angel will come and bind Satan and throw him into the bottomless pit for a thousand years. And the Antichrist, the false prophet Antichrist, will be thrown to hell, and all the people that followed him will be destroyed. All that will be left for those that are left at that time will be Christians. And then they will go into the millennial reign, which we'll talk about later as well. So what do we do with this today? This is the day to prepare for tomorrow. This is the day where we know what's coming. So now let's prepare accordingly, right? Make sure Christ is in your heart. Make sure you've accepted him as your Savior. Make sure you're living for him today, expecting his return at any moment, because he could. Let's pray. Father, we just come to you in Jesus' name. And Lord, we are so thankful that you've given us your word. We are so thankful, Lord, that you have given us your promises, that we know for a fact that everything that has been said today will come to pass just as you recorded it. Just as John the Revelator gave his report, it will happen. And God, another promise that we have is that we have a promise of redemption, that you are our Savior and our Redeemer, and that you have come to provide a way out of this for us that we don't have to experience this we can experience the pleasure the joy the peace of being in relationship with you on this earth and then having heaven as our reward i thank you for that i pray god that you would allow us to see what's ahead and plan accordingly and i say this in jesus name amen amen stand with me if you will These are the days of Elijah, declaring the word of the Lord. And these are the days of your servant Moses, righteousness being restored. And all these are days of great trial, of
Amen. Yes. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Lord, for that promise. God, we just praise your name. What a way to end the service. Hallelujah. Thanking you, Lord, that you know, that we know that we have redemption that's drawing nigh, that we look up today. We look up. And it's only a matter of time when we're going to welcome you. We're going to hear that trump, and we're going to meet you in the air. Oh, thank you, Jesus, for that hope, that promise. We know it's coming. We know it's coming, and we joyfully receive you today. We joyfully look forward to that day as in the days of Elijah, the days of Ezekiel, the days of the prophets. They didn't see it. They prophesied it, but they never saw it. But we're going to see it. Quite readily, we're going to see it. And we're so grateful that we are in this time of biblical proportion, and we give you praise, and we give you glory in Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Be blessed today. Be encouraged today. Have a great day.